0: Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a Rapid Hawks fan, Black Hawks Live answers all your questions. It's just been a good sign this year that they all seem to be having fun getting along and working hard. I love those three things together. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip
1: from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand.
2: Black Hawks Live takes you into the month of December. The Hawks continuing a road trip. They're out on the East Coast. A couple of games against the New York teams. One pretty good one, and then one not so good. And now they wrap things up against the red-hot New Jersey Devils tomorrow night before they head back home for playing six of their next seven at the United Center. I am Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. Jack Heinrich is behind the glass. He's our producer. And it's just a shame that the last two games in New York weren't flip-flopped. We'd be having a ton of positives to pull from that New York Rangers game. Uh, I, I do think the Blackhawks caught the Rangers at a good time because the Rangers have been slipping a little bit. One person on Twitter called them broken. You kind of saw that. Um, but not having much life against a Hawks team that came ready to play on that Saturday night, jumped out to a 3 nothing lead and made it very difficult for the Rangers to get their legs back underneath them. They did have a couple instances where it looked like they were going to rev things up. Physicality definitely increased in that game. A whole bunch of concern and controversy around Jacob Truba. Obviously, Blackhawk fans not too thrilled about Truba over the past year now, after the hit he laid on Jujar Kara from last season, almost a year to the day, that the Rangers and Blackhawks met up at Madison Square Garden this past weekend. And then Truba still continuing to do the same types of things, And uh, something we were talking with Troy Murray on during the broadcast is that he did not think that Truba's hits were dirty. He thought it was a part of the game that was a lot more relevant in years back. Not so much today, but by the extent of the rule, not a dirty hit. And I think the biggest thing that Troy Murray was trying to get across is that when you're skating, when you are leading with your body, odds are you're going to be leading first with your head. If, if you're gaining speed on the ice while skating, your head is going to come first. And Jacob Trub is a big guy, 6'3". three. forget exactly how much he weighs. Probably like 220 is what I'm guessing. So, odds are, if he collides with someone, the first thing he's going to contact with them with is his head. Now, Andreas Athanasiu caught in the upper body, not entirely sure if it was his shoulder, it was his head. Athanasiu wasn't thrilled by what Truba did either. We'll get to those comments in a little bit as well. But uh, the Blackhawks didn't take too much exception to that either. Jonathan Taves and Connor Murphy stepping in right after the hit on Athanasiu, And uh, things got a little bit chippy towards the end of that second period on Saturday night with the Hawks on top, 3-0. Then the Rangers got a power play goal. You thought that, okay, here's the opportunity for New York to take things over. But they didn't. Blackhawks played a very solid third period. They picked up another goal. They were able to pick up a win and end their eight-game winless streak. However, Sunday's matchup against the New York Islanders, little bit of a different story. They had a pretty good start in the first period. They were outshot 10-8 to to the Islanders, but there definitely were some scoring chances. We actually saw Athanasiou nearly pull off the Michigan goal. But it just seemed like they were carrying over that momentum that they had from the night before, and that's even what Connor Murphy had to say. Although, once we got to about the halfway point, past the halfway point in the second period... After a media timeout, the Islanders challenge a no-goal call from about two minutes prior. They send it up to Toronto, the officials talk over, and they go, Oh yeah, there was a goal. Islanders up 1-0. Not only that, let's rewind the game about two minutes and eight seconds and start from there. So you're talking about a totally different game. And the Islanders already were starting to get some momentum in that instance in the second period. Made a very difficult for the Hawks to slow that down. Now all of a sudden they're down by a goal. You give them a little bit more time and then the Islanders go on to score two more goals in that second period. Those would be the only goals scored in that game, but still a uh a tough way to bounce back from that Rangers game. Connor Murphy also went on to say that they weren't just they just weren't supporting each other. The offense wasn't supporting the defense, defense wasn't supporting the offense. Colin Blackwell with Similar sentiments also saying that they didn't get the pucks behind the Islanders enough. and The Islanders are a good, structured team. They are a good team this year. They have been for the past couple of years. I know last year was a, a bit of a difference, but it's a good Islanders team. And we've seen this Blackhawks team, yes, compete with solid teams, but also once they have difficulty revving their engines and playing up to par that they need to be, it's, uh, it's difficult for them to... Make the full 180 swing. The good news is Arvid Soderblom continues to be a solid goaltender for the Blackhawks. This is starting to seem like a very, very important piece on this Blackhawks roster. Here's the head coach Luke Richardson on his goaltender Arvid Soderblom.
1: He was great, you know. I mean, he gave us, he made some big saves. uh, You know, uh, matched uh, Varlamov. It was a really good goaltending uh, duo, and then unfortunately that one slipped in, and I thought. We didn't support him as well, but uh, he hung in there. He made some great reads and uh, big saves and uh, stood tall right to the end. So uh, he's been great, uh, you know, in every appearance that he's been in. And uh, we just got to give him a little more goal support, obviously, and... And a little bit better structure in front of him so he doesn't have to be exerting himself uh, on big saves too much.
2: 37 saves last night against the Islanders, and you really can't charge him with any of the three goals that got in. The first one, I'm still not even sure. I'm not even fully convinced that it went across the goal line. Apparently, the officials, everyone up in Toronto was, but all the replays that we saw on, on the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast did not find conclusive evidence that that call should have been overturned. Uh, It looked like Soderblom had used the tip front part of his blade on his right skate to just pry that puck out as it was pinned in between his skate and that right post. But uh, again, I mean, they went about the game like nothing had happened. No goal had been scored. So that was the first goal. The second goal, uh, I believe it was uh, Zach Parisi right in front of the net getting a a solid redirect right between the legs of Soderblom, just right on the doorstep continuing that traffic and that screen in front of Soderblom. Very tough for him to stop that one. And then the third goal was a basically a three-on-one where the Islanders came back on a Blackhawks turnover. So Arvid Soderblom, again, he was supposed to be in Rockford at this point. He was supposed to be not only in Rockford, but getting a lot of playing time in Rockford to kind of season himself to get up to the NHL. Now, circumstantially, he's been getting a whole heck of a lot of time at the NHL level Obviously, that's at the expense of Peter Mrazek, recently, and also Alex Stalock. Coincidentally, when he went down against the last time the Blackhawks faced the Islanders on a hit from Casey Sezika's, and we were talking about physicality earlier. Good on Reese Johnson to defend his goaltender. So there is a lot of team camaraderie, team chemistry with this Blackhawks team, but they do understand that they can't just leave Arvid Soderblom out to dry, and they got to start supporting their goaltender, their 22-year-old goaltender, at that matter, a little bit more. We've got some more comments from Connor Murphy and Colin Blackwell. And speaking about seasoning down in Rockford, let's talk a little bit about Lucas Reichel, because the Blackhawks' next opponent is the New Jersey Devils, and they've got one of the league's top elite scorers. And I'm not comparing Lucas Reichel to this player for the Devils, but I do want to pull out some of the similarities. And we'll talk to the New Jersey Devils' television play-by-play announcer about that player and see what he had to say about how the devils groomed him up to the nhl level all that and more coming up next blackhawks live 720
1: wgn he played unbelievable tonight i thought um there's a handful of saves and times where he made saves that turned into covers for whistles that are that are key and and uh definitely valuable and speaks more to a veteran goalie so he's showing signs of that right away of uh Having that poise on the road is not easy when we're we're not playing well at certain extents of that game. Uh, for him to be able to step up and do that, and that he seemed calm the whole game, uh, even when we were let up a few goals. So that's uh, it's huge. We're we're just uh, frustrated that we can't uh, give him better performance. Unbelievable. I mean, I got nothing but great things to say about that guy. I mean, he stood on his absolute head and he kept us in that game. Um, you know, for a young goalie, he shows so much poise out there, and you know, he's really. Um, he was the backbone tonight uh, in a sense where he kept us in there for, for a while and um, you know, made some unbelievable saves, cross-ice saves. Uh, um, you know, there's a couple that you know, could have been maybe a, a few more goals have gone in there if it wasn't for him. So, um, you know, it, it sucks to sit here and say we let him down again type of thing. Um, but, you know, he's, he's a hell of a goaltender. And, uh, you know, hopefully when he gets back in there,
2: we, we just play a little bit better for him. That is Connor Murphy and Colin Blackwell chiming in about their goaltender in Arvid Soderblom. 37 saves in last night's 3 nothing loss to the New York Islanders. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. And by the way, this segment of Blackhawks Live is sponsored by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get... The Blackhawks have gotten 37 saves from Arvid Soderblom last night, 36 saves in his last start. If you remember, he had to come in and relieve Peter Mrazic in Saturday's game against the New York Rangers. He had five saves out of six total shots in that third period. He had 21, of, 21 saves of 23 shots Back on November 25th against Montreal. And then, okay, 20 saves and 24 shots. He allowed four goals to the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was the Marion Hosa night. But I think you heard Connor Murphy and Colin Blackwell each talk about how he has kept the Hawks in these games. And that includes Sunday, even though, you know, there really wasn't much for Hawks fans to celebrate on Sunday other than Soderbloom's performance and Reese Johnson throwing off the gloves with Casey Sazikas defending his other goaltender in Alex Stalock. This first year of the rebuild, as much as we talk about how important it is to look at the Blackhawks' work ethic and their compete level and everyone buying into a system and strategy, you got to keep in mind that they're going to be overmatched. Okay, that's going to happen. But a good goaltender can keep you out of a blowout, and that's just huge for an overall team camaraderie, team buy into what's going on right now it didn't come to fruition on Sunday against the New York Islanders but the Blackhawks have been in more games than they haven't this year and I don't know too many other teams that are starting a rebuild that can say that I mean you, you can look at the standings obviously the Blackhawks aren't aren't a playoff caliber team obviously they're not fighting for a playoff spot that's not the case that's not what we're arguing but they're going to go in each and every day the players aren't thinking about tanking the coaching staff isn't thinking about tanking they're thinking about winning that game that day and even though that oftentimes becomes player and coach speak it is the it's the recent truth for them and that's why it's important to have a good goaltender and just surprisingly enough it ends up being the guy that they were expecting to see mostly in Rockford tonight or this season I should say in Arvid Soderblom so really cool to see Soderblom uh, take on the challenge and do so well with it. Again, Troy Murray was talking about what he's enjoyed by seeing from Arvid Soderblom, the confidence, the calm, cool, collected state of mind he has in between the pipes, and just good flexibility, good awareness, and good reads on plays. He, he doesn't panic when he's screened. He, Troy had broken down his ability to move left to right, has improved greatly from last year. So hopefully just more progress and more growth from Arvid Soderblom could be a huge piece to the Blackhawks' future. Speaking of pieces for the Blackhawks' future, Lucas Reichel is a guy that has been continuing in Rockford who came up for 11 games last season at the NHL. All but one game were played at the United Center. He played one road game against the Nashville Predators, and the Blackhawks were strategic about that because... They're worried about Lucas Reichel's size and being undersized in a matchup where another heavy-hitting NHL team can kind of just throw him around. Lucas Reichel, on Hockey Reference right now, he's listed at six foot 170. I think he's closer to 180. That's what he was telling us during training camp this year. He was trying to bulk up a little bit more this summer. I'm sure that's continuing, but maybe maybe a little bit harder to bulk up during the season because you're just burning so many calories and flying around the ice as much as Lucas Reichel does. So the New Jersey Devils are the next opponent for the Hawks. They're hosting them tomorrow. The Devils are the hottest team in the NHL. They've won 17 out of their last 19 points and 18 out of those last 19 games. Jack Hughes is their leading scorer. He is 21 years old. He'll be 22 in May. He's 5'11". He's 175. That's coming from hockey reference. Now, I'm just going to stop right here. I am not comparing Lucas Reichel to Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes was the number 1 overall pick. He's part of the Hughes family. He's got all this prestige, all all this talent. Lucas Reichel, first-round pick by the Hawks in 2020, 17th overall. Got a whole lot of talent. Definitely has a high ceiling. They're hoping he can be a top-six forward, possibly even a top-line center. Reichel is listed as a left wing, but he has been playing a lot of center, more center than not, I believe, in Rockford. Jack Hughes is a center this year, or is a center for the New Jersey Devils. I'm not comparing those two. But with all the talk of keeping Lucas Reichel down in Rockford, which also I agree with, I think it's the right move by Kyle Davidson and the Blackhawks front office and the entire organization. They're being transparent with them too. I think that's important. But Jack Hughes is a guy that quickly went up to the NHL level, like Patrick Kane. Obviously, the skill level is there, but a guy that has to learn how to stay balanced in the NHL because of his size. He's a little bit on the lighter end, and I had somebody chirping at me on Twitter saying he's five eleven, he's pushing six foot. Okay, we're not talking about the height, we're talking about his weight. But also, six foot isn't immense in the NHL. I mean, there's some there's some big bruisers out there. There's some heavy guys.
1: And if you watched him last year, he had trouble with that size when he was up with the Hawks, so they're trying to make sure he's ready. That as well, and
2: that's that's exactly why they were trying to. They're they're being cautious with them. And by the way, that's Jack Heinrich, he's our (laughs) producer. He can chime in whenever you want, Jack. That was great (laughs) timing. I know you were worried about the timing before, but um, yeah, so we're going to talk to the television play by play voice of the New Jersey Devils. It's Bill Spaulding. This is his first year. First full season with the Devils, but obviously he had to do his legwork on getting the job. Obviously, he knows plenty about what the Devils have been doing in years prior. So I did ask him about that. What allows Jack Hughes to be an elite scorer in the NHL with his size? I get it's a different game. We were just talking about Jacob Truba kind of being a dying breed in the NHL. It's a lot more skill, a lot more speed these days than heavy hitting players, and, and maybe a lot less physicality, but still. Jack Hughes is an example of who the Blackhawks want Lucas Reichel to be. Not a spinning image, an example. We'll talk to Bill Spaulding when we come back. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. We are pleased to welcome in the television play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils in Bill Spaulding. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. How's it going?
0: Going great. Uh, Can't complain about where uh, we sit 25 games into this season with... uh with 20 wins and playing a lot of great hockey in New Jersey. It's been a a whole lot of fun to be part of and, you know, have the building energized and the fans into it. And uh, we're hoping to keep it rolling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll say Uh, 17, one and one in your last 19. Uh, What, and, and you can have different answers for this or, or the same, but what has surprised you most about the New Jersey Devils start to the year? And what has impressed you the most?
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, coming into this year, there was, there was optimism because this is a young team that has had a young core in place for a few years now. And so Lindy Ruff's favorite saying is, we might be young, but we're not inexperienced. And, and that's true, because you think of guys like Nico Heaster Jack Hughes, uh, Jesper Bratt, they've, they've all gotten some seasoning underneath them. So I think I think we thought this was a team that could contend for the playoffs. But I mean, you win 13 games in a row, which matches a franchise record. that That's going to be a surprise. So I think just how good they have been, to me, the most impressive part Of this run and and my broadcast partner ken danico talks about it a lot as well it's not anything they do physically because we know how fast they are we knew that coming in uh it's the mentality of this group and how they've been able to handle uh adverse situations I, i think like you know there's a moment in every game even when you're playing well where the momentum shifts and there's a chance that it could go the other way and this team always seems to have the answer whether that's when we were in toronto a couple weeks ago the Maple Leafs score the first goal, and, and 25 seconds later, Jesper Bratt pumps one in to tie the game. Or later in that road trip against Ottawa, Devils were leading 3-0, had a big uh, save on the other end that kept it 3-0. Ottawa scored. This was in the second period. It was 3-1. There was life in the building uh, in Ottawa. The fans were, were getting into it. Ottawa had, had a few good shifts in a row. Devils went shorthanded, but then they scored a shorthanded goal to go up by three late in the period and kind of put that game away. They, they just always seem to have an answer Uh, And they haven't let, you know, a a rough game or a rough night like they had, say, in their their one loss in the last 19 lead into other games and turn into multiple losses. They've been really good at putting tough situations behind them and dealing with adversity that comes their way.
2: Hmm. I really like that uh, approach from Lindy Ruff, and I definitely want to get into Lindy Ruff and the the fans' uh, involvement with that as well. But um, you know, the New Jersey Devils right now are just such a great example of what the Blackhawks are trying to become in a couple of years. And you know, Jack Hughes is obviously the the prime guy that that was going up through the ranks and and supposed to be the. Uh, prime offensive scorer for this team, and he's quickly become that at 21 years old. I, I don't know how many people have compared him to the Blackhawks' top prospect right now in Lucas Reichel, but... They're kind of similar molds. A lot of offensive talent, almost exactly the same dimensions. I think Reichel's got one inch on Jack Hughes, but they're roughly the same weight. Uh, They play the same position. Reichel's listed as a, a left winger, but he's played a lot of center. My question to you is, what about Jack Hughes' game allows him to still be elite? Because Lucas Reichel is kind of being seasoned right now down in Rockford. The Hawks aren't being too anxious to pulling him up, and a lot of the conversation has been around his size and not being able to compete with some of the top NHL teams. So what a lot, What about Jack Hughes' game allows him to still be elite, even though he's maybe on a bit of the smaller side?
0: Yeah, you know, he, he's a couple years ahead, so so that's why he's, he's learned how to play at this at. At his size in this league. If you look back uh, at his first couple of years, I mean, the, the Devils were, they went the alternate route. They decided to let him learn with the iron sharpening iron approach, have him play top six minutes from the time he stepped in the NHL. But those first two years, there were a whole lot more uh, rough nights for Jack than there were big nights for Jack. But the last couple of years, he's really adjusted. And, and Lindy Ruff again talks about this a lot. He's learned how to play at this level, which means, okay, you've got great skill. You can carry the puck past guys, but there are times where you need to chip the puck in. There are times where you need to get rid of the puck you know there are times where for your own physical safety like you got to not try and take a guy on one on three you got to keep yourself in a position where you're avoiding a hit sometimes or making the smart simple play it doesn't always have to be the perfect play uh so i think that has helped him in terms of durability uh he's learned how you have to play defense at this level His, his defense this year underrated has been uh, a huge improvement on past years. He's committed to the 200-foot game. He has a really quick stick, so he's great at, at um, back checking and pickpocketing guys. Um, and then again, that elite level, you know, speed and, and his hands allow him to find little spaces and get by guys. But but he's been smarter about how he's tried to do it. He's not trying to always take one on three now. He he's playing within the system, playing within himself and his strengths. Um, and and I think he's also been put on. A line this year that really allows him to succeed. He almost always has Eric Halla on his line and Halla can play the bigger, heavier game. Uh, Halla can take some of the defensive load on and Halla's taken a lot of the faceoff load on as well. And then whether it's been Dawson Mercer, who's recently been the right wing or Jesper Bratt, who's been the right wing on that line a lot, it's always somebody with speed that can match Jack and with a, a similar creative mindset so that it seems like Jack's got somebody thinking the game the same way he is and allows him to link up pretty well.
2: Hmm. That's interesting because a, a lot of Hawks fans have been pleased with keeping Reichel down uh, because in the past the Hawks have kind of rushed guys up so quickly, but it's, it's interesting to hear on the flip side of how that's benefited Jack Hughes uh, heading into this year, and clearly it has when you look at the numbers. Um, yes, the Blackhawks are in a spot where they would like to be where the New Jersey Devils are right now, but one thing I think these two teams do have in common right now, Bill, is the fact that uh, they've been able to rely on goaltending no matter who's in between mm-hmm. the pipes. I mean, how clutch has the Devils goaltending been, especially with this 22-year-old of Akira Schmidt?
0: Yeah, I mean, it has been huge, and it is the number one biggest difference from last year. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at at last year and the underlying analytics numbers, the Devils analytics were pretty good five-on-five five everywhere except goaltending. Uh, and if they had gotten the, the big... Uh, the, the meme around the Devils coming to the year was if they got, quote, league-average goaltending, they could be a playoff team. And uh, they've gotten much better than league-average goaltending. I mean, Vitek Vanacek, in a role where he's gotten a chance to play most nights, has really thrived. And, and he's such a competitor. I always say when you watch Vitek Vanacek, he may not always be in the best position. He may not be the biggest guy. But my goodness, I haven't seen a goalie who competes harder than he does. He is getting in... Up in guys' grills. Uh he is happy to come out and challenge. He gets from post to post and, and he just fights his way through games to make big saves. And and what, what Ken Danik, our analyst, has said is you know, you need a goalie who is gonna make the saves he should, which he's done. And then to get that next level, you need a goalie who's gonna make one or two saves that he shouldn't throughout the course of the game. And has been able to do that in big spots as well. And then you mentioned Akira Schmid. Uh he got a little taste of the NHL last year when the Devils had injury problems and played seven different goalies, but he was 21 wasn't really ready for the moment steamed a little bit frazzled uh and and he struggled last year It comes up this year and his very first game action was uh, against ottawa he goes into a tie game in the third period when vanacek got bumped and knocked out of the game and he makes four saves in a on a four on three power play in overtime. this is while the devils were on that big win streak it kept the win streak alive devils end up winning that game since then, he's had four starts, and he hasn't allowed more than two goals in any of those four starts. And the biggest difference is he just seems so calm and composed. So that is the, the big change from last year. It's like he's been here, he's done it before, and he seems comfortable. Now, the other thing you notice about him is he is big. He is 6'5", and he uses his body really well. Great positioning, cuts down angles. And so there's just not a whole lot to shoot at when he's in in the right spot, and then he doesn't let himself get frazzled in big moments.
2: Huh. Again, the cool similarities between... Uh, Schmidt and the Blackhawks goaltender, right now, of Arvid Soderblom, has been getting a lot more playing time than uh, he would have expected to. Um, all right, let, let's talk about this passionate fan base that are the New Jersey Devil fans chanting for their coach to be fired in game one, I believe, and then totally eating it all and uh, putting their tail between their legs and apologizing a little bit later. I, I mean, that's pretty cool. But what was going on in your mind in that first game when you start hear the whole crowd chanting fire Lindy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Lindy Ruff had a good approach to it as well. Yeah. This is a passionate fan base. It's a, it's a fan base that, you know, was spoiled. in a a good way with a lot of success in the early 2000s, the late 90s, even getting back to the cup in 2012. So, you know, it's a fan base that knows winning, but at the same time, you know, since that 2012 cup final hadn't seen a whole lot of winning, just the one trip to the playoffs in 2018, some, some bleak years recently. And, you know, the the promise of, of what could be was there. So it was a, it it was a fan base coming in that really hungry for some success, and really didn't want to see the status quo of the last couple of years. So those first couple of games, you know, the advanced metrics would tell you the Devils played pretty well in those games, but but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter if you lose 5-2 and 5-2 like they did in back-to-back games. So the fan fan base was very frustrated there, and I think that's what, what you showed uh, or what you saw but at the same time yeah they've 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 bought into this group this is an easy team to root for they play hard they're likable you don't have any guys who feel like they're passengers on this group so you know they've come back to the building and we've seen uh, five consecutive sellouts the last five home games and in that stretch included the game where the uh the starry lindy chance to become uh, famous uh came out and the fans realized hey look you got a team that's playing well you just had to be a little bit patient and uh And now that passion has been funneled into uh, supporting this Devils team and and really trying to make life difficult on teams coming in. I mean, I'm going to tell you, it has been absolutely raucous there. And the night they played the Maple Leafs, which was their one loss in the last um, 19 games, there were three disallowed goals on the Devils there. Uh, So that game uh, got a little bit controversial. But the last 10 minutes of that game after the third disallowed goal, I've been in a lot of buildings in my career and as a sports fan, I have never been into an atmosphere that was more intense and the, the, the rafters and the the floor underneath our feet were literally shaking for the final eight, to 10 minutes of, of that game. So that's how loud and how energetic this crowd has been lately, really trying to make, uh, make it a tough place to play. Like it was back when you had to, come in and try to beat Ken Danico and Scott Stevens and know you were in for a rough night every night you played the Devils.
2: (laughs) Finishing up here with Bill Spaulding, television play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Bill, I know this is your first year full-time in the role. How cool has this job been so far? I mean, I, I know it's a, it's a great job in itself, but when the team is playing like the way the Devils are, I'm sure it's all that much more fun. <laughs> I mean, what's what's this ride been for you so far? Yeah, it's
0: it's, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm super fortunate that uh, the team started this way because I think it really has helped right off the bat, give me some moments that have allowed me to identify with the fans and and have big situations to call that fans will remember. And, uh, you know, I have loved it from the start from the day I was I was announced into this role that the fans have been so supportive. They always talk about, you know, about it as being part of what they call the New Jersey Devils family. And you really get that feel. Uh, we're lucky our broadcast position at home is right on the mezzanine level. So fans can come up to us in intermissions or pregame, say hello. And it's been so great to, to get to know all of them. And then like you said, the, the winning obviously helps. fund fun to call uh, this team that, you know, flies up and down the ice and plays a high event hockey games. Um, so it, it has been a blast. And, you know, I've had a few of those moments where you almost have to take the headset off for a second listening and you realize, oh, wow, here we are We're in the NHL. Got a team playing great. Uh, you get to see all these superstars both on your team and teams coming into the building as well. Uh, it, it's been been about as good a first uh what are we seven or eight weeks into this as i as i could have asked
2: for absolutely and you're an east coast guy too what was i am yeah back- what was your hockey background growing up yeah
0: so i uh, grew up in upstate new york uh and went to actually really got into hockey on division three college hockey i grew up a few wow. minutes away from the the home rink of the elmira college Doring eagles and i would go to those games growing up um uh, you know, I've been in the Boston area. There had been for the last uh, 10 years or so since since coming out of college since 2013. So obviously, college hockey is king up here. So I uh, called a ton of college hockey at Boston College, Harvard, Northeastern, some of the schools like that over the last uh, eight or nine years, uh, and then did some college hockey for, for NBC as well. And uh, that was that was the, the hockey road that then led me to this opportunity.
2: Very cool. Bill, thank you so much yeah. for the time and have a great call tomorrow night. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you having me on. All right. That is Bill Spalding, television play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils. We'll have more Blackhawks Live coming up next, 720 WGN. The National Hockey League is partnered with PXP for play-by-play to support deaf and hard-of-hearing fans by adding American Sign Language Interpretation, to Commissioner Gary Bettman and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly's media availabilities at the 2023 All-Star Weekend and the 2023 Stanley Cup Final. As part of the deal, PXP will also have deaf performers for pregame ceremonies at the 2023 NHL Winter Classic and the NHL Stadium Series and advise the league on future opportunities to enhance experiences for hard-of-hearing and deaf fans in stadiums, watching from home why do we tell you that because that's what's going on in the business of hockey which is sponsored by the ComEd energy efficiency program always great to see hockey expanding its ability to spread the game to a more diverse community and especially those who are less fortunate so uh great to see the nhl stepping up i'm joe brand we're closing out black hawks live jack heinrich is behind the glass he's our producer each and every week jack what's on your mind
1: uh, just looking at that interview you did, uh, with Bill and, uh, I like that question you asked, um, about like kind of, this is about the young team and kind of like, this is what the Hawks kind of want to be striving for. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a very young team and you've, as you've been saying, they've been at the top of the NHL this year and that's what you're looking for with the Hawks and these young players when Reichel comes up and Soderbloom, um, in net, I mean, that's what you're looking for in a season like this when you're rebuilding. You're looking for those young pieces that are going to be with you in the next core and Soderbloom's been impressing and it's been good that he's getting time in the NHL even if it's been unexpected and um, just the way like you said his calmness and he wants to make it tough. He said that in the locker room after one of his starts early in the year. He wants to make it tough on the coaching staff and he definitely is when the other goalie's come back from uh, injury.
2: Jack Heinrich's also our main reporter during the Blackhawks games at home at the United Center. I also did bring him on so that he could say what he liked about my interview with Bill Spaulding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, of course, and honestly, when listening back to it, I, I did kind of perk up when I said, yeah, I, I did say uh, in a couple of years the Blackhawks hope to be where the Devils are mm-hmm. right now. I mean, the Devils are the hottest team in the NHL right now. So if the Hawks are there in a couple of years things will have gone very well very yeah. quickly. So that might have been a little bit too uh, optimistic thinking, but it's what you're going for, and it's exactly. why they're trying to stock up the uh, the talent pool. And let's face it, I mean, it's it's not just this past draft. It's this upcoming one where the Blackhawks mm-hmm. have multiple first-round picks. They're, they're going to try to get three. Yeah. They're, they're going to try to stock up as much as they can. So with the pieces that they do have right now, it's, it's definitely entertaining.
1: Yeah, last year stocking up on those three already I think that's a great jump start when they're playing good you're like is that going to take them out of the number one pick spots but they already got a good jump start with those three picks and now you're starting to see as as the dust settles a little bit in the season that they kind of got to be perfect to win some games and if they miss one uh, shift goes wrong and they go down it's hard for them to come back but that's just how they're constructed and but that the the culture that Richardson's building, they're still trying to win, but it might just be tough and a lot of losses.
2: Well, definitely no room for error in tomorrow night's game against the New Jersey Devils. We'll have the pregame show for you at 5.30, puck drop at 6 with John and Troy. He's Jack Heinrich. I'm Joe Brand. Another big thanks to Bill Spaulding for joining us. We will talk to you next week, but we'll also talk to you tomorrow night as the Blackhawks visit the Devils. Thanks for listening for another edition of Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN.